we welcome all of you that are viewing at home today and ask that God would just bless you mightily and thank you for all of you being here today and of course try to get a little bit of something to cause you to smile just a little bit. What do you call a non-church goer? What do you call a non-church goer? I think that would be called a seventh-day absenteeist. Yes, yes, I, I, yeah, I, I had a little fun with that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. It's good to be in the house of God today in His presence and His power and His anointing. And uh, Luke chapter 12, verse uh, 35. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamp burning. Be dressed and ready for service. We, we are in the process, this scripture verse is going to talk about how that we are to watch and that we are to be waiting. So waiting and watching. Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamp burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants who, whose masters finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve and will have them reclining at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the second or the third watch of the night. But understanding this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let him in the house to be broken into. You must also be ready because the Son of Man comes at an hour when you do not expect him. Talking about a wedding feast, it's the Eastern wedding custom of the bride being at home, the groom coming, and they have the dowry they bring, and he purchases his bride, and, and they give her a send-off from her own home, and he comes home with his bride, and this is the story that Jesus is saying. He's talking about the fact that that you've got to be ready because you don't know what hour he's coming home. It's important that we recognize that uh, we've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. The greatest thing in the world is to have your clothes laid out the night before. How many of you had to stand in front of your clothes closet saying, now what am I going to wear? Well, this, this won't go with that. This will match that. And put it out there, lay it out. Oh, I don't want to do that. And you get something else. Women are really bad for that. Men, not so much. There's a few. There's a few men that's real particular. But for most part, men could care less. And everybody said. <laughs> some of them says, oh, me. 
The parable is, is talking about this watching and waiting concept. And to be ready, to be ready, to lay out the clothes ahead of time, to, to have everything in order. I have found that uh, in the last two years I've been doing quite a bit of cooking with my wife, and I've found if you can take the recipe and measure all the ingredients out in a row as they go into the bowl, it's a piece of cake. But if you're trying to read the recipe and you get one item set out and then you put that in a bowl and then you read the recipe and you get enough, it drives you nuts. But if you can get everything set up, get ready, get ready, get ready, then it just make it happen. It's so much easier. And, and, and the scripture verse is saying, get ready and, and, and knowing that your, your master's gone to this wedding banquet and he's coming back with his bride and and you, you need to be ready. And, and the servant's master finds that one uh, working. Uh, I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve and will, will have them recline at the table. The, the reclining of the table was that they didn't have chairs like we have today. They kind of sat on the floor. Tables were low to the floor. And so there was a kind of a reclining concept there. And... Uh, I, I, I'm grateful today that we get chairs to sit in. But uh, it, it was a process of being ready. And it says that he might come in the watch, the second or the third watch. Is that a Timex watch or is that a Rolex watch? Second or third watch. Which watch is that? The evening or the nighttime was divided in whatever culture you came out of, either a three-hour watch or a four-hour watch. And, and the thing is, is that to be ready, to be looking, to keep your eye open for the return. And of course, this is all a parable about being ready. And it relates to the fact that the rapture of the church could be at any time. And we are to be waiting and watching. I presume that waiting is not just setting still. But waiting is in the process of growing in Christ. Waiting involves praying. Waiting involves reading the word of God. Waiting re involves being active in your daily duty. It, it's, 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 when it says about being dressed, ready, and have your lamps burning. have the light on you know what was it the old commercial motel six you know the light's always on anybody remember that good deal thank you for bailing me out there god wants us to always have the light on meaning that the presence of god is in our life and the light is shining and that because when you get to heaven Jesus will be the light. There won't be uh, uh, an energy bill at the end of the month. Jesus will be the light in, in the heaven. And so the owner of the house can come at any time. It might be the third or the fourth watch. You must be ready. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect Him. Jesus, the rapture of the church, is going to happen when we least expect Him. When the world least expects him. Things are going to be going rather well. And you won't be going through turmoil as much as we are right now. 
and Jesus will come back. When everybody thinks it's okay, we've just made it through all the turmoil and things are going to get better. And, and things are getting better. Be watchful. Because Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so we have to be ready. We get ready by praying. We get ready by, by uh, reading the Word. We get ready by keeping the light of the gospel shining in our hearts and in our lives and letting others come to know Jesus through our testimony. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Peter always had a question. You ever notice that? He was always a question, but that tells us something. He was listening. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. I will put him in charge of all my possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the men servants and the maid servants and to eat and to drink and literally get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he did not was not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. In other words, hell. The servant who knows his master will and does not the servant who knows his master's will and does not readily or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows but the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with fewer blows everyone who has been given much much will be demanded and from the one who has been entrusted with much much more will be asked. So the process of the servant, the one who, who just says, you know, he's not coming back. I mean, I've been waiting and I've been looking and, you know, the subway drops him off at 10 o'clock. He should have been here four hours ago and he's not here. <laughs> I'm just going to party. He's not here. He doesn't know what I'm doing. I am just going to pull out all the stops. We're going to have a shindig. We're going to just tear down the house. We're going to have a great time. That's failure to wait, to watch, and keep the light burning. And it says that their punishment will come. Separation and punishment will come. It's interesting to think. So often we, we talk about heaven and how that there's the heaven and then there's the higher heavens and, and uh, there's angelic forces and there's jobs to be done in heaven and you will have a job and, and you will be worshiping and singing and, and everybody's got this concept of heaven and there are different levels of heaven. But guess what? There are different levels of punishment in hell as well. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the least amount of punishment is still going to be very awful. Because you're separated from light forever and forever and forever. But you hear 
horrible things going on. The pain of hell is going to be on our comprehension at this time. But it's saying that there will be degrees of punishment in hell. For those who are, do things without realizing the consequences of their actions, their punishment will be less. It, it amazes to me how that life goes for people. And how that sometimes the most godliest person on the face of the earth is going through the greatest struggle and the greatest trial. And you say, Pastor, I just don't understand it. I don't either. And then the guy who just barely is just making it in life seems to have no trials at all. Or the guy, you know, and it, and it doesn't matter what nationality, doesn't matter what part of the country you come from. Life is life. And whatever God has dealt you in this life, you need to give him praise for it and move on. Amen. Give him praise for giving you life and move on. Don't sit there and try to second-guess God. Don't try to say, well, God, your timing's way off. I just, I just don't understand it. God, if you would have done this, this, and this. Well, let me tell you something. I have watched God do things in my life that I didn't understand at the moment. But 20 years later, I look back and I realize that he moved me here, he did this, he brought this person in my life at this time, and this happened now, and this happened this, and now it all fits together. There's a tapestry being made in your life, and too often we only see the backside, which is just a bunch of thread. But on the front, there's this beautiful picture. God is orchestrating your life. As you pray, as you read God's timing, you read the Word, and you pray, and you seek His face, and you try to live what He's telling you to live, He will be there for you, and He will build the tapestry of your life. He will build the picture. He will paint the portrait, and, and He will make a great, great painting out of your life as you surrender to Him. But we have to be ready. We have to be ready. That is the bottom line. We have to be ready, and we have to keep on working at being ready. And that doesn't mean that we just sit by idly waiting. Well, one of these days, Jesus is coming back. No, we're trying to win souls. We're sending missionaries out. We're praying for missionaries. We're, we're spending speed to light money, giving them light money to buy vehicles to get the message out. It's so important that we realize that darkness must be dispelled by the light of the gospel. And we must be a part of that. Verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. Jesus said, I've come to bring fire on the earth. Now this, that don't sound quite right. That sounds a little bit dicey. Our God came because he loved us. Sent Jesus. And Jesus is all about love. Read on. But I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is completed. The baptism of death. Jesus was facing the cross. And he was dreading that cross. Why was he dreading the cross? To prove to you that he was human. That he had feelings in his body. And that it was going to be torturous to go to the cross. And he was saying, I really have this baptism of death to go through. And I'm not too excited about it. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. 
From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That's a lot of division. Dividing, dividing, dividing. How does that happen? How do you divide people? We have watched America go through a horrible election cycle and COVID on top of all that. And there is an unbelievable amount of family divide. To the point that some family members have chosen to not bother texting or calling their next of kin just because they don't want to. They don't see the value in keeping family relationships going and they just let them dissolve. And that's going all across America. And it has to do with the political divide. It has to do with the divide over do we get vaccinated, we don't get vaccinated. And I'll never forget the first service back in the building. I said, folks, some of you want to wear a mask and some of you don't. Get over it. (laughs) We just have to let people be people, amen? And not dictate to them my convictions. Now, the Word of God brings conviction. Let the Word of God convict people. And so there's this divide. And Jesus is saying, I've come to cause division. But it's not a political division. It's, it's not a family division in the sense that it is a godly division. There will be those that will say, I want to serve Jesus Christ with all my heart, body, soul, and mind. And your family will say, I want nothing of it. You are out of your cotton-picking mind. But you know what? When your sins are forgiven and God gives you a peace, I want to stay in that realm. And so we live for God because of the peace that he brings us. Even though it causes division in our family, even though it might cause us to lose our job because we love Jesus more than we want to be involved in the things of the world. It's so important that we put Christ first in our life. By putting Christ first, he says, I will take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you, the food, the clothing, the cars, the house, whatever you think is necessary in life. God said, you seek me first. And watch how I orchestrate your life and bring things in your... And he has a timing that's perfect. We don't understand it because we're not perfect yet. But God has a timing when he brings things into our life. You know what? One of the greatest ways to see God bring things into your life is to be thankful. Just simply be thankful for what you have. Be content with what you have. And say, God, when you're ready to promote me, I'm ready to be promoted. But until then, I'm going to work hard right where you've put me. I'm going to be the best person I can be right where I'm at. And, and I'm going to be that it. Uh, that's, that's who I am. Jesus is saying that he's going to bring a fire. 
The family's going to be divided. I have come to bring fire. But the fire couldn't take place until after his baptism of death. And I believe it is the Spirit of God Almighty, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of fire being descended on the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire descended, there was a wind, and that still that fire goes on today in the souls of mankind, who those will say, God, you have a prayer language for me, I want to receive it, I want that edification that takes place inside of my heart. fire. Jesus is the baptizer. Remember before he started his ministry John the Baptist said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and he says he will baptize you with fire. John said I baptize you in water but that guy's going to baptize you with fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of mankind today and it brings strength, it brings renewment. Fire is a purifier. It melts down the, the gold and the dross comes to the top. God pushes it off and we become pure for, for him. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. It's so powerful that we recognize that Jesus brought fire to us. Verse 54, he said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, It's going to rain, and it does. Was it last Saturday? The forecast for three days. It will rain 100% all day Saturday. Anybody remember that? I mean, they was emphatic. It's going to happen. Turn the station, another meteorologist. It's going to rain all day. It's never, the sun's never going to come out. It's just going to be a gloomy, gloomy Saturday. At 11 o'clock, clouds rolled back, and the sun came out for five hours. <laughs> it blew me away. The kids was able to jumpstart a, a pool party that they they'd planned on doing. But, but this is talking about when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. You hypocrites. What? Just because you know when the weather's going to happen, you're a hypocrite? Yeah. Because he's saying you know more about what's to take place in the weather. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth in the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Can you imagine? I can't imagine this. People who have read the scriptures, people who had been involved in scriptures for a long time, knew the prophetic message that Christ was coming back, and he was among them, and they didn't recognize him. He was among them, and they didn't want to change. They loved their culture. They loved the way things were. And he's saying, you know, you know the sky. You've read the sky. And you know when it's going to rain? You know when it's going to get hot? Because of the meteorology things that happen? But you can't discern this present time. You don't understand 
what's going on. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to reconcile to him on the way. Or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer will throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. He said, make things right with those that are your adversary, those who are coming against you. Don't let the day go without trying to resolve the problem before you go before a judge. And of course, the correlation here is what he's trying to say is, is that get things right with God now. Don't let yourself be overpowered by the things of the world. Don't be overpowered by sin. Don't be overpowered by this, this difficult thing that you're going through. Get things right with God because if you don't, Eternity in hell is forever and forever. And he uses the analogy of a judge and, and all of that. But it's really about us getting our heart right with God. As we look back to the concept of the servant, the servant had an expectancy that he was looking for. The master coming back. Do we have an expectancy that Jesus is coming back? I found out a long time ago that some of the most entertaining, least costly thing you can do is just tilt your head up and look at the sky. Yesterday, day before, there was a pillar of cloud straight up in the air, just huge. And then it had an array of clouds coming off of it from over here. And do you expect Jesus to come on one of those clouds? Are you thinking about that? Would this be the day that Jesus comes back? Are you contemplating with expectation that he's going to come? You see, the Holy Spirit... God said through his son Jesus that I'm going to bring fire. Jesus brought us fire to help edify our inside to, so that we grow in Christ, so that we become ready and we become expectant. Because you see, the Holy Spirit is a down payment. The Holy Spirit is an inheritance. And, and it's like 10% of what heaven's going to be like. And you say, well, pastor, how does this happen? You, you praise God. First of all, you say, God, forgive me my sins. Cleanse your heart, purify your, your spirit. And you begin to worship God in English. And then you begin to move your mouth, move your lips without speaking English and allow the fire of the Holy Spirit just to descend upon you. Words begin to come out. And what happens is, is it builds the inner man. You'll say, well, I don't believe all that. Well, science believes it. What are you waiting on? They take electrodes put them on people and say speak in tongues and the globe of your brain that controls your vocabulary that controls your ability to speak is non-functioning when you're speaking in tongues 
Now, how do, you, how do you disprove that when science says that it is God speaking through you? And it is designed to, to build you up and to strengthen you. We have a society right now that is tearing down everything that can be tore down. And you need to be built up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's an expectancy. When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, there begins to be an expectancy. God, is it today? Because one of these days, I'm going to be walking with you, Jesus. Jesus, you're going to say, come, and I'm going to be ready because I have my light lit. I am clothes are ready. I am ready to walk out the door. I am going to be with my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. You see, there's that preparedness. A good servant, he prepares. He gets everything ready, making sure that it's all there. And then there's the reward system. The faithful servant gets rewarded. To being filled with the Holy Ghost today, in our economy today, that, that you can be driving down the road praying the perfect will of God. Gospel music's playing and you're speaking in tongues. I, I, I pray that God will give you an appetite. Give you an appetite for more of Him. You'll say, Pastor, an appetite for Yeah, it says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And we have to get hungry and expect God to move in our lives and that we can become watchful and we can be waiting for the presence of God and waiting for that day when we are going to be raptured out of this place. We wait by sending missionaries. We wait by, by loving people. We wait by calling our neighbors saying, hey, we've got, we got an activity at church. We've got inflatables. Bring the kids. We'll feed you a hot dog or hamburger and we're going to have a great time. Just having fun. We'll present the gospel message. We'll encourage them in their faith. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The more we can get Jesus in our heart and in our life, the more we can spread to other people. It's all about Jesus. But you see, the servant who finds himself in a, in a desire of disobedience will suffer punishment. And we have to comprehend that our neighbor who refuses to let God be God is going to go through punishment. And we have to recognize that, that there is definite punishment coming. But Jesus said, I have a baptism of fire for you. I have the ability for you to, to grow in Christ and to, to be uh, an ultimate Christian, just a, just a perfect person. You see, we, we want to read the signs in the sky. We want to know what the weather's going to be. But are we concerned about the coming of Christ? To the point where we begin to pray, Lord, your, your coming is near. What can I do? What missionary can I support? What missionary can I take their name and just lift up their name in prayer every day? You see, we need to recognize that God has given us an opportunity to pray for people. God has given us an opportunity to love people. God has given us an opportunity to forgive people who have harmed us. And it's so important that we take time to forgive. Because Jesus has forgiven us. And he empowers us to love others. So in our watching and our waiting, it's not just idly standing by. It's being busy about the Father's work. 
The Father's work is that none should perish, but all might have eternal life. We desperately need folks that will say, I will do ministry. We have a school next door to us here that we do ministry at. Backsnack program, they're talking about starting it back up this fall. So about the third or fourth week of school, we'll gather here and put together backpacks of food. It's, it's real simple, and we deliver it to the, to the schoolhouse. We do activities with, with the teachers on their different times when they can't leave the building because they are there for teacher conferences. We will take in a, a meal for them. We, we are ministering to them. We have a food pantry that we support on a monthly basis at Hickman Mills Food Pantry, and they keep people in their homes the best they can with helping them with utility bills and uh, giving them the groceries, emergency groceries. And uh, it's, just, it's just so important that we recognize that as a church, we're ministering to the community. And as the days go by, we need to find other avenues of ministering to our community because we're here to be agents of God. We're not here just to sit in a pew and come in Sunday morning and sing a song and be happy. We're here to be agents of God. God has called us to touch our community. God has called us. This past Tuesday, we had uh, three families that don't attend this church. Two of the families, they have a church that they attend, and I've known them We've gotten in contact and worked together on different projects several different times. And uh, I, I invite them down because we had stuff we need to get rid of. We had candy we need to get rid of. They had kids. We had food that we could share with them. And it was good to build relationships because, you see, we might not win that family, but there might be another family that they know win. It's talking about building relationships, building on love relationships, loving people, loving people. Starting a small group, Calvary Clusters. Starting a small group that, that just loves to go golfing. And you can read a scripture verse and pray before you golf or after you golf. Go bowling. And once a month you get together in a small group it might be you, you want to share a meal together once a month and you want to just share new recipes and you connect with people. Small group called a cluster, Calvary Cluster. It might be a sewing group. It might be, you know, we have the WMs have a book, book club. Different things that people have different interests in that will cause you to build new relationships. Because what happens is we get stale in our relationships. We just get, get to be family, and we just keep coming to church, and we don't do anything else other than reach our own people. To reach out and do a small group with somebody. You say, well, how do I do it, Pastor? Well, it's real difficult. You, you send a text saying, we're, we've got hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill on this night. Bring a side dish and come. <coughs> we're going to view a video. We have a video program that's available to all of you that's free that you can get special videos from A to Z on it and share in that time. 
You'll say, but pastor, if it's just, you know, a verse of scripture and a prayer, that's not much. It's a beginning. It's a beginning. And people understand who you are. And you begin to build new relationships. Because it's all about going to heaven. And we want as many people that we can find to go to heaven. And so we build small groups. We do a car show, which is coming up in a, in a short amount of time. Why do we do that? For one reason. To bring the gospel to that car show. To try to build a relationship with somebody. I'll never forget. I'll never forget going to Blue Springs Car Show. And I'm passing out our flyers for our car show. And Bill and Barb are sitting there behind their car. And Barb says, how's the church doing? I said, well, it's doing pretty good. But it'd do a lot better if you was coming. Am I right, Bill? Do you remember that? And they started coming. And we've been a blessing to them. And they've been a blessing to us. It's about relationships. It's our relationship with God. It's our relationship with the power of the Holy Spirit. Availing, allowing ourselves to be involved in praying in the Spirit. And getting a love that only Jesus has. And we get more of that love as we pray in the Spirit. Because we're praying the perfect will of God. And we build relationships to bring people to a salvation. To bring people to an understanding of God. To bring people to a time of encouragement. Where they begin to watch and wait for the return of Christ. That is what waiting is all about. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Father God, thank you for the privilege to be saved today. God, we're not drunkards. We're saved. We're set apart from the addictions of this world. We're set apart from the evils. And Lord Jesus, we ask for an empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would build in us a desire to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord Jesus, thank you for equipping us to win others to Christ. Thank you for the relationship you're going to help us build in days ahead. And thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins, empowering us with the precious Holy Spirit to be your servant that is watching for the return of Christ, for it will happen in a short time. Thank you, Lord, for your help today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining with us today, folks. Uh, trust you have a great week in the Lord. We're going to continue to have altar service here. Uh, I, would you stand with me this morning?